When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome and happy Tuesday. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you this morning. Today will be a high of 84 degrees. Tomorrow will be partly cloudy during the morning hours and will become overcast in the afternoon with a high of 70. Thursday and Friday will feel more like fall weather with highs in the low 60s. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, has more weather details coming your way a little later. Coming up, we hear from Don Bice, chief planner for the Census of Agriculture and the 2022 Census of Agriculture survey and what elected officials will be looking at when putting the 2023 Farm Bill together. Farm team member Stephanie shares an update from UW-Madison agronomy professor Bill Tracy on developing seed varieties for producers here in Wisconsin. It is National Farm Safety and Health Week. Keith Bryan of Christian Hansen shares more about the eight areas of silage safety to help make sure everyone returns home safely at the end of the day. John Heinberg Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing will join us later as well. Stick around. We're on mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. The Young Farmer and Agriculturist Program is for our younger Farm Bureau members up to 35 years of age, and that is where a lot of our contests take place, which was something that I had the opportunity to do through the discussion meet, as well as achievement. It's a program you should really look into. WFBF.com. It opened up opportunities for me. A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Compere Financial wishes farmers and agribusiness a safe harvest season. Stay in touch with your local Compere team throughout the year to see how they can help make your plans a reality. Exceptional client experience at the heart of everything they do. Visit Compere.com or call 844 844- 426-6733 today. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. 2023, we're looking to get a new farm bill, but maybe more. Bob Bosol here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And while Congress, Pam, is going to be debating farm issues and farm policy, the folks at uh, National Ag Statistics going to be looking at some other things next year well yeah bob and you know actually what they're looking at is what elected officials will be looking at when they put the 2023 farm bill together at least the beginning fabulous farm babe pam yonkin southern end of the world's longest barn in madison so by the time that we get to the thanksgiving meal you should start watching your mailbox and your email box for the 2022 census of agriculture they are going to be mailing it out with uh, paper questionnaires, as well as follow-through emails. They are reaching out to farm operations of all sizes, urban and rural, that sold or produced somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,000 of agricultural goods or more in 2022. 
Now, this is nothing new, but I'll tell you what, the value of that information continues to climb. That's according to Don Bice. He's actually one of the chief planners for the Census of Agriculture, and he says that again this year, this information for a lot of different reasons, incredibly valuable. Well, that's absolutely right. Um, the fact is the, this country produces an abundance of ag products. Uh, the 2017 Census of Agriculture, I believe, was right around just under $400 billion of agriculture products produced. So we're looking to see how, how we stack up against that from five years ago, this time along. Along with just a number of, of different producers, we have um, we had about 3 million-plus producers last uh, census, so we're looking to see if, we, if, the, if that measure changes. Um, it's, a, it's a long form, a lot of different questions in it, a lot of different information, but it really is uh, the most comprehensive ag statistics, official statistics available uh, to really tell the story about the U.S. agriculture, especially a snapshot in time. Um, I want to talk just briefly about a couple of new items that are on the census form, if I, if I can, and, and one of them includes uh, precision agriculture. Um, we're uh, responding to an emerging trend of getting more precise with, uh, with our inputs as, as they're associated with uh, crop production and, and raising livestock. So we're interested in getting some information about that, that this time. We also added a question specific to hemp. Um, because the hemp production now has changed in, in this country. So um, we're constantly looking for ways to improve the data set and uh, responding to emerging trends is certainly one of the ways we do that. Right. And I also see that the Internet, access to the Internet, I think sometimes for people that may be in a urban metropolitan setting, they take it for granted. But, boy, that uh, that big question mark on Internet access is a big one for production agriculture. That's right, Pam. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we are in a digital age, and so uh, we'd like to use the census to uh, to find some maybe some what we call deserts of technology areas uh, by geographic region. That information, and when you overlay it on a map, suddenly pr- provides this visual representation of where some areas out there that might be these deserts, and and that can certainly um, go a long ways towards directing uh, policies and and funding, for that matter, for uh, for those specific areas, which is, you know, that's that's what we have with a sense of agriculture, really getting down to that localized area, down to that county level. It's, that's about as low as you, as, as, as granular as you can get with with our data. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, didn't uh, the census, I, I don't want to say broaden its scope, but uh, I know that there was a major focal point on trying to reach out to female producers, uh, also, you know, smaller operations that might be out there, maybe go over the qualifications to be involved with the census of agriculture. Uh, that's a great question. And in fact, very, very timely. That's that's still one of the major changes that we've had for the census. It was new uh, to the 2017 census of agriculture, but it's important to get that second set of data, that second data point, so you can see how things have changed over time. But yes, in 2017, we changed, we moved away from the idea of an operator to the idea of a producer to be more inclusive and, and get more at those people that maybe didn't think they were a farm, like say say somebody handled the books or somebody operated a farm stand. Uh, they may not have thought of themselves as the farm or the farm operator, but they in fact are making decisions and we want to make sure we capture information about those to really sort of expand the scope of, of how uh, how impactful census of agri- or excuse me, agriculture is um, to not only just, you know, the family farm and those farmers out there, but the rural economy in general. Dan Bice along with us, chief of the Census Planning Bureau at uh, USDA, National Ag Statistical Service. So, Don, let's talk a little bit more about uh, 
where this information gets used, I always immediately think of policy development, but I'm sure I'm missing out on some of the other areas where they need this kind of information, and it does not compromise farmers' uh, information. It still remains confidential. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, we are. We are, as a statistical agency, we are very pride, proudful of our um, ability to make sure that there's no individual data that is disclosed. So uh, the data will be shown only in, in uh, aggregate form, and so um, we take our capital confidentiality pledge very seriously and sign an agreement every year that we will do our best to make sure that uh, that takes place or that, that nothing like that is disclosed for an individual. Um, beyond that, I think that uh, you, you take a look at, at some of the, the data products that we have available already from previous census, censuses and you'll get an idea of, of, of the abundance of data that we make available. But it goes beyond just policies. I mean, I, I, I get a kick out a lot of times um, helping out, um, you know, a junior high of a person that uh, is, is doing a report in it on uh, something agriculture. So, you know, it's a wide range of, of, of data, data users out there, and we're happy to, to fulfill any of those data, uh, data requests. But we really do get a, a lot of satisfaction out of knowing that this is informing farm policy. You know, a policy comes out, there's a couple things that happen. First of all, they want to try to measure what the changes uh, has the impact of that policy has been. But before that, they oftentimes a policy is established and they need some data to decide whether or not that, that, that it's even worth pursuing due to the number of people involved that it might impact. So we get involved in all those things, and, and we're happy to, to provide any data we can to help inform all that. Well, and all the more important as we get ready to start uh, potentially writing another farm bill. Now, what is the start and end date for the 2022 Census of Agriculture, Don? Well, in November, late November, it'll be around November 22nd, we'll put out our first mailing, and that'll be actually an invitation to report online. We're pushing uh, for our online response. Um, it's fast, it's convenient, it's secure. Uh, so that'll come out towards the tail end of, of November. Uh, we will send paper questionnaires out in December, but I want to tell all those farmers and ranchers out there that if you get your form in in those first couple mailings that you get, we'll stop bothering you. So we'd like to get, uh, we're going to start in November and we like push hard to get, uh, to get everybody we can before the deadline uh, of February 6th. Right. And like you said, you do follow up. This is uh, an honest responsibility on uh, the farmer, the growers that are out there. I know I've I've filled ours out for my home farm and you do have to give yourself some time to complete it officially. Well, I'm glad to hear that you, you take time to fill it out. Yeah, we can't express that uh, enough that, you know, the data is only going to be as good as, as what's reported. Um, and so because of, the, because of the importance of getting every single response possible, we do tend to um, extend beyond the, the, the deadline of February, uh, February 6, 2023. We'll continue to, to go out and try to get as many responses as we can. But getting those da that data in early obviously helps us and, and makes us a, little, a lot more efficient. Uh, but, you know, I'll take that this opportunity right now, not only to thank you, but all thank in advance to all the farmers and ranchers out there for reporting. But the data is, is important, and I just emphasize so much. You know, we, we live in a – U.S. is a, a big – a lot of the U.S. is in a, a service economy, but, but we should be very proud of, of all the agriculture that's produced. Now, if I'm somebody that feels like I qualify to be involved in the census of agriculture, Don, but maybe I haven't been a part of the mailings in the past, what guidance can you give, give them to allow them to be a part of this process? 
Well, at this point, we're going to, we do a lot of list building, but at this point, um, we, uh, we are in the process of sort of locking down our list. Now, there are procedures in place. So uh, at this point, if you have not uh, heard from, from us, I should say when, when November and December rolls around, if you have not gotten a sense of agriculture, we're going to ask you to, well, you can get some information online, but we're going to ask you to reach out to your local regional field office of, of USDA NAS, and they'll get you in the hand, get a questionnaire in your hands and get that data, that data that's so vital for us. And, and then we'll take care because we, we're not going to turn anybody away who's willing to provide us data about their farm. Uh, I should also say that a lot of people don't think of themselves as farmed um, because of a low rule of definition of a, a farm. But um, if you get a form and you're not a farm, fill out the information anyway, report that you're, you know you didn't farm, and send it back in. So anybody that's, that gets a form should respond regardless of whether they have any ag activity or not. Yeah, that's part of the story, too. Again, Don Bice joining us, chief of the Census Planning Branch at the U.S. Department of Agriculture National Ag Statistical Service. So, again, growers, keep an eye on that mailbox or your email box at that starting at the end of November for the very first request for your information on the 2022 Census of Agriculture. And we'll keep talking about it uh, right on through the end of the calendar year. Don Bice along with us. He is the chief of the Census Planning Branch at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Ag Statistical Service. Again, as he pointed out, towards the end of November, that's when they will be issuing the 2022 Census of Agriculture, and your participation is key. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Tracti LLC, a leader in steel buildings, is growing and now adding to their team. Tracti is now hiring builders and electricians. You work at the same place every day, and you rarely have to fight the elements. Schedules are stable and pay is competitive. Enjoy a tool belt full of benefits, including medical, dental, paid vacation, holiday, and more. Join Tracti now and receive a $2,500 sign-on bonus. Apply in person or online at T-R-A-C-H-T-E-U-S-A.com. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers. Like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Can you hear me? We'll make sure you get five-star service. Things are getting hot up on my end, so. All right, stand by. <laughs> Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. 
From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back on a Tuesday morning. I'm Charity Seebecker in for Farm Director Pam Yankee. I've got Stu Muck with me today. Stu, it's a warm one today. What do you got coming for us? All right, well, let's talk about some rain. And the radar indicates that showers are falling. Wausau and south almost to Stevens Point, extending a bit northwest back toward Eau Claire and up toward Menominee River Falls. Low pressure is out to the west. A warm front is trying to build up into southwest Wisconsin. That rain we see this morning will drop southeastward. I expect it to appear within the the next couple of hours, especially Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, Beaver Dam, maybe into the Madison area. We all still have some chance of rain today. The western end of the frontal boundary is a cool front, is still in the Dakotas, but that will slip through, meaning there could be some later afternoon or nighttime rain around the area. Should all be getting to taper off and in early by tomorrow. Rain amounts upwards of a quarter to possibly a half inch in eastern Wisconsin. Much lighter across, a tenth of an inch or two might be about the extent. The bigger factor here is it will cool down as we head toward the end of the week. I'll have forecast details right after this. Soil health. It's the top priority at Midwestern BioAg. It's the first thing they consider with every product at every step. It's designed to build healthy, biodiverse soils to support healthy soil, resilient crops, and higher yields. Midwestern BioAg offers biological fertilizers to optimize yields during the growing season, all the while building healthy soil for the future. To learn what a Midwestern BioAg program can do for you, visit MidwesternBioAg.com. Midwestern BioAg. Better farming through better soil. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. Even though a bid that you get looks great or a program looks great, make sure that you go and get a comparative bid. The easiest way to compare bids is a price per watt. So what the whole solar industry works off of, a simple phone call to Olson Solar Energy, you can find out quickly whether or not you can save serious amounts of money. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Welcome back. I'm Charity here with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, how is the weather looking to be able to get that field work done? I know you mentioned earlier we're going to have some a little bit of a colder front coming through. What else are we looking forward to? Well, today is the day with some rain, especially in northern and eastern Wisconsin, but I expect even Madison and La Crosse, Boston will have some rainfall. Morning clouds and rain, some sun breaking through yet later in the day. Mid-80s at least today, very humid, a very summertime day. South winds around 5 to 10. Still some chance of a little rain tonight or just in the late night. Otherwise, generally clear skies, uh, mid-60s for lows. South winds at 5 to 10 become west late tonight. A slight chance of rain early tomorrow, especially in the east, otherwise mostly sunny from west to east during the day. Low 70s are an upper 60. The northwest winds at 5 to 15. Mostly sunny Thursday, your cooler air, right about 60. And it could stay a little cooler even for Fridays. Upper 50s are about 60. So, Charity, it does cool down to wrap up this week. Yeah, it's definitely starting to feel more like that fall season coming in and kind of I just have to accept the fact that maybe my summer really is over. Well, it happens every year about this time. Yes, that is very true. Well, we'll catch up with you again tomorrow, Stu. Once again, that was Stu Muck, your egg meteorologist. And stick around. Be sure to stick around because we've got a lot of upcoming news. We've got your markets. We've got John Heinberg coming up. We've got a little bit of everything for you on this Tuesday morning. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the agricultural world, we have equipment to put the seed in the ground, take it all the way through its growing season and put it in the bin. I would definitely recommend Ziegler. The equipment they sell and service is amazing. They care about you, they care about your businesses. They're there to help you and that's their number one job. Whether you're a large farm, small farm, Ziegler has the equipment that's gonna take care of you and fit your needs and the support and people to back it up. Reliability is everything, so that's why I choose Ziegler. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor line at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chunk Gill. And from the dairy farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. Wisconsin Farm Bureau makes me a better advocate for agriculture because of the leadership development opportunities that I can participate in, specifically the Leadership Institute, where you get to dive into the specifics of advocating for agriculture, policy development, and even more. WFBF.com. They work for you while you're working the farm. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Nobody knows windows like Wanakee Remodeling. Voted the best window company in Madison 10 years straight, our Renewal by Anderson windows are the most weather-tight, highest quality, and most durable on the market. Make sure you eliminate your old window and door problems. Go with the most trusted name in windows, Renewal by Anderson from Wanakee Remodeling. How is it that we can have smokers lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. 
you can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the all in the family move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these before. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We're the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. So, yeah, it's, it's doable. I still don't like their odds. And if they do make the playoffs, I well, don't well, have well, much well, faith the, in baby them moving steps. forward. Well, we have a question here, Rowdy. Uh, the King says, why don't you listen to the game on the radio and watch them on Telemundo? You can. You have the ability to pause your station, right? You have you have DVR or whatever the hell it is. The Yeah, I don't have a radio in my living room. Oh. And you can't stream games in Major League Baseball. Yeah, on your phone. I guess the king saying go get a radio and then uh, put you know pause the telemovie, sync up the broadcast. But Rowdy, the game you were watching yesterday, I wanted to get to this. I wanted to play it. Uh, Brewers, this Adam McKelvey article, I had to chuckle at. Brewers uh, on the wrong side of history. The unwilling participants in a chase for home run history. This they've had it a couple times. This so happens to be Aaron Judge on his run. Here's number one. It just First feels like every time he comes to the plate, and I know he's having a great season, 57 home runs, but everybody's attention goes towards the field. And there's a swing and a fly ball out to right. Back Renfro. There's number 58 for Aaron Judge. There's 58, and then a little later in the game, Rowdy. One-two pitch. High fly, deep left, and Judge has hit number 59. Wow. A two-homer game for Aaron Judge. And he now has the most home runs in a single season by a right-handed batter in American League history. So, Rowdy, yes? Got a couple more stats on Aaron Judge here. So, going into yesterday, he was leading the American League in home runs and RBIs, and he was sitting just two points behind uh, both Luis Arise and Bogarts, yeah. Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox. After yesterday, he cl- clearly still leads in home runs and RBIs, but is now all knotted up between Bogarts, Arise, and uh, Judge at 316 wow. apiece. And then to go one further, you talk about how this guy was just crushing everything. Aaron Judge has had more 110 miles per hour batted balls yesterday than the entire San Francisco Giants team has had in the second half. Wow, that's now, crazy. The Giants are in a free fall. They sold. But that's just, that, that's wild. Yeah. And then to go one further, Aaron Judge is the first player in StatCast era to have four hits in a game, all with 110 miles per hour or higher exit velocity. And, 
You know what the funniest part is? The hardest hit ball he had all day yesterday was his very first at bat, and it went 115.4 miles an hour off the bat, and that was an out. Yeah. Hashtag baseball. That's baseball right there for you. His hardest hit ball out of all of them, and all went over 110 miles an hour, was the out. I have some stats, too, when it comes to the home run chases of seasons gone by. We'll get to that a little later as Aaron Judge, the Brewers falling victim to it, I should say. I'll say one more for you. This is a Jeff Passan tweet. Aaron Judge entered September the favorite for the American League MVP award. I agree with that. I think he should win it over Shoyo Tani. And all he's done is bat 491. Oh, my God. And get on base at nearly a 59% of the time. And he's slugging over 1,000 with the big league best eight home runs in September. Jesus. His... 1600 OPS is nearly 250 points clear of the next best hitter for the month of September. So not only did he enter the month as being the betting favorite, but he's just beaten the brakes off of everybody wow. else this month Wild. and continues to do it. And Hey, he's and the now took right, two out of three. He's now right on the edge of becoming another not only the the Yankees all-time home run leader cuz what now he needs two more to pass Roger Maris he's one tie, to tie him. to tie Roger Maris yeah. three more to pass he is one more home run away from being the third Yankee to ever hit 60 home runs yep. and not only that he's got a chance to to win a triple crown the last time a triple crown was won in the AL was Miggy, and I believe that was about a decade ago. Wow. And before Miggy, it was like forever before crazy, that. Crazy, crazy. Right, He's Ra- the MVP in the AL. Totally. Razor's Edge coming up, but first, Ebo, these are the triple crown winners in the last 70 years. Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Carl Yastrzemski, Miguel Cabrera. That's it. That's the list. That's it. What do you think? Soon to be Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is chasing that. Crazy. That dude is uh, pretty damn good. And by the way... Those first three names, all Hall of Famers, and Miggy well on his way. Yeah. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you on this Tuesday morning. It is National Farm Safety and Health Week. Coming up, we hear from Keith Bryan, technical service specialist at Christian Hansen, on the eight areas of silage safety. But first... UW-Madison agronomy professor Bill Tracy says Wisconsin shouldn't have to rely on few regions of the U.S. for its produce. With extreme weather events such as drought and fires in California, the pressure is on for researchers to develop seed varieties for producers here in Wisconsin. For example, veggies that can withstand cold temperatures or pests and diseases. Farm team member Stephanie Hoff shares more. Not only is it ideal to have a good variety of foods available to us at the grocery store, but a good variety of where the food comes from. I'm Stephanie Hoff with the Midwest Farm Report talking with Bill Tracy. He's with the Agronomy Department at the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. He says interest is growing among both researchers and the culinary arts for local foods. And here in Wisconsin, local produce can be hard to come by in December. That's where the research comes in. Bill Tracy. 
Bracey explains what goes into developing new seed varieties, but first explains why we shouldn't depend on a few regions for the majority of our food. There's different ways to look at variety. And like you said, you go in the grocery store and you get kind of blown away. And it's wonderful. I mean, I can remember back when grocery stores were not so wonderful in terms of the produce aisle. But now you know, they actually put those produce sections almost every store. When you walk in the store, that's the first thing you see because it's just amazing, right? And that's great. But what kind of variety, if you look a little closer, you go to the, another supermarket or another or another, they all pretty much have the same thing. So what I'm getting at here is you asked about variety. And almost all that stuff you see in the grocery store comes from probably California. We know what's happening in California in terms of the environment. We know that farmers are plowing up or not not planting thousands of acres because there's not enough water. We really do need to find other places to get our food from. And so that's part of the variety that that um that you that you see uh, is is where is where is it coming from? And a lot of folks in Wisconsin, Madison area, uh, where we are very lucky to have these fabulous farmers markets. That food is coming from here. A lot of what the farm to flavor work is is about finding varieties that work well on local farms. Because what would work well in the Central Valley of California does not work well here. That's a really important part of the variety to think about. As we know, Wisconsin's growing season is limited unless you have tools such as a greenhouse or other kinds of indoor agriculture. Are Wisconsin researchers, what kind of traits are they looking for? So one of the things to improve the system is to actually look for disease resistance. And when you have disease resistance or insect resistance, that actually extends the life of a crop. So that's one way. Of course, a lot of folks um, are looking at season extension, and greenhouses are, of course, very expensive, and they're very um, energy consumptive. The hoop houses, which you see a lot out in the countryside, people often think they're greenhouses, I'm sure, but these hoop houses are unheated structures. We have breeders that are breeding crops adapted to be grown in hoop houses. And hoop houses can easily extend the growing season a month on either side of when our frost dates are. That's UW-Madison agronomy professor Bill Tracy. He's also the director of the sweet corn breeding program at the school. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Thanks, Stephanie. Agriculture is known as one of the most dangerous industries in America. Every day, about 100 agricultural workers suffer a lost time work injury. The agriculture industry is consistently at the highest risk for occupational injuries and fatalities, with the equivalent of 23 deaths per 100,000 workers. Keith Bryan, Technical Service Specialist at Christian Hansen, shares more on the eight areas of silage safety in honor of National Farm Safety and Health Week. The eight areas of silage safety awareness include fatigue, complacency, truck and tractor rollover, fall from height, equipment entanglement, avalanche or silage collapse, silage gases, and then drug and alcohol abuse. And I think a review of each of those eight is warranted. So obviously, we end up having extremely long and tiring days during the harvest season. A lot of times, 
those days could be 12, 14, or 16 hours. And there's a lot of activity that happens from harvesting the crop to transporting it from the field to the silo structure, getting it pushed up, packed, ultimately covered and sealed. And so fatigue and complacency kind of go hand in hand. Make sure that people have sufficient rest throughout the day. Encourage them to focus on the minor details that collectively make up the greater process. Tractor rollovers and even fall from height. We don't really think about those things, but obviously if we get onto slopes greater than about uh, 10 or 12 percent, uh, rollovers are possible. When we look at piles and people around those piles, I mean, sidewalls to a bunker could be 12 to 15 feet tall. Therefore, the peak of the silage in those bunkers could be 18 feet to 20 feet, and we want to make sure that people are staying away from edges that uh, present a safety risk in terms of falls. Obviously, when we get into equipment entanglement, whenever we're working around machinery with rotating engines and or PTO shafts, maintaining appropriately fitting clothing will reduce the likelihood of a human becoming entangled in equipment. And then we all know that whenever we have a pile or a bunker of silage, if we don't maintain the shape of the face of that pile or bunker adequately, we can create an overhang, and overhangs are destined to fall in the form of an avalanche or a collapse. The other thing that has kind of gone by the wayside here of late in terms of focal point for safety awareness is the fact that the silage can produce some noxious gases. Breathing those gases could be extremely toxic. And then just like any other job, we want to make sure that they're not influenced or intoxicated based on over-the-counter or illicit drugs and or alcohol consumption. That was Keith Bryant of Christian Hansen. The Silo Solve Safe program is designed to help silage workers make safe decisions on the farm. These areas of silage safety are on key with today's daily topic of focus, which is overall farmer health. Tomorrow's topic is safety and health for youth and agriculture. Thursday with confined spaces and Friday is safety and health for women in agriculture. Those are all the daily topics of focus for the National Farm Safety and Health Week that is going on now through September 24th. You can find more information by going to the National Education Center for Agricultural Safety website. We can work together to protect the future of agriculture. It starts by keeping ag communities safe, healthy, and injury-free. Get in action for National Farm Safety and Health Week and help promote safety all week long. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McVin Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFenn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a Young Farmer and Agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. 
You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. We're on mutual insurance. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As the harvest season ramps up, It looks like rural America will have some variability in the weather forecast. Ryan Martin is an agricultural meteorologist from Indiana. He says the Corn Belt will likely have some drier weather come harvest time. He adds that it looks like a large part of the Corn Belt is going to be dealing with below normal precipitation. So we're looking at a drier harvest, at least to start. So here from mid-September and going through the end of October, he thinks we're going to be looking at below normal precipitation, which is good and will help things dry down. It does look like if there's an active precipitation track at all, it tends to want to run over the upper Midwest. So that may bring a little more moisture to places like Minnesota, Wisconsin, into the northern Great Lakes and Michigan. But overall, he doesn't see too many hiccups in the Corn Belt when it comes to harvesting at least now through October. He says while there will be some rain in the upper Midwest, there should be adequate windows between events to get harvest done. According to the National Ag Statistics Service Crop Progress and Condition Report, a warm week with temperatures averaging 5.9 degrees above average allowed farmers to make good progress on harvesting corn silage and hay, as well as seeding fall crops and beginning fall tillage. Corn in the dough stage or beyond was 96%. That was one day behind last year, but seven days ahead of the five-year average. Soybean condition was 77% good to excellent, Even with last week, winter wheat emerged was at 5%, and that is 10 days behind last year, as well as 5 days behind the average. Oats harvested for grain was at 97%, 5 days behind last year, but 4 days ahead of the average. The fourth cutting of alfalfa was reported at 83% complete, and that's 2 days ahead of last year, and 12 days ahead of the average. Now let's take a look at our markets. On this Tuesday morning, September 20th, looking at the Chicago markets, December new crop corn is up four and a half cents at 682 and three quarters. November beans are up four and a quarter cents at 1465 and a half. December wheat is up six and a quarter cents at 836 and three quarters. On the dairy side of things, barrel cheese closed up one and a quarter cents at 210 and a quarter yesterday. 40-pound block cheese closed down three-quarters at 205 and a quarter, and double-A butter closed up two cents at 315 and a quarter. October Class 3 milk contract is trading today at 2121 100 weight. That's down 33 cents. And November milk is trading at 2107, down 36 cents. Coming up, we're going to focus on all the commodity news you can handle. We have John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, joining us live to kick you off on this Tuesday morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right 
with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. When it comes to jewelry appraisals, get to know your Denny's jeweler. There's a number of different reasons a person will do appraisals. We just say bring in everything. It's so fun because it's like when somebody brings that stuff in and they're all excited, then they start thinking about it and where it came from, which is priceless. I'm Pete Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. the same size you do the same workout yet her butt is high and tight and let's face it she's smoking hot while you're just another sweaty betty what you don't know is while you're putting in extra time grunting it out at the gym she is relaxing poolside and why because she comes to carbon world health for fda approved m sculpt treatments her butt is a work of art because this technology is state of the art carbonworldhealth.com Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'm Charity Seebecker. Rounding out the farm show this Tuesday morning, market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing is joining us. John, coming off a Packers win this weekend, thank goodness, football season also means pizza season. And export demand of cheese is picking up. Is that right? Well, that's something we've been seeing in the marketplace here. We've seen some good strength in the milk market, getting ourselves back into that $21 area. And that was one of the reasons that's been out there is just the that time of year. Again, obviously, two schools are up and running, so that brings a little extra demand in. But we're seeing that you know, demand for cheese for pizzas and the, you know, the, on the pizza market that picks up again at this time of year. So, you know, the last couple of things, the last couple of weeks here, we've seen some nice strength in that cheese market. And that's helped kill, spill over into the milk strength, as well as we're seeing some good talk about export demand possibly picking up here as well so you know the milk market looks supported as we uh, you know got back into that $21 handle uh, which again provides some good opportunity for our producers absolutely how are livestock markets looking are we seeing changes in consumer buying patterns or are hogs coming back up from their recent price weakness what insight can you give us about all of that yeah, that's something we've been very concerned about and still will be concerned about in the livestock sector, especially the beef sector, and with regarding what the consumer dollar going to do with the inflation side of it as money gets tighter. That typically weighs on beef demand. But so far, we haven't seen that really kick in. Seems like the U.S. consumers really like the quality beef that's out there, and they're continuing to pursue that, at least at this time frame. So that's keeping some good support into the cattle market. We're watching cash prices this week. Haven't come together yet, but we firmed up a little last week. Expect that to be the same here now as we see cattle numbers are starting to tighten, especially given the, the drought conditions, cow slaughter, things of that nature we've seen over the summer. So we'll have to keep watching that. So that market still at least looks supported. Hog market had just went through a pretty rough sell-off here, but now we're seeing the demand numbers pick back pick back up again. We're seeing prices come up on the retail side as well as now we're maybe seeing the cash market turn as we're expecting those numbers to tighten. We got some pretty key reports this week. Cattle on feed here on Friday. Give us those numbers again so we'll see where those l- l- numbers are 
are out in terms of the lots. And then we got quarterly hogs and pigs at the end of the month, and we'll see if we've had any expansion whatsoever, which I think will be limited given the grain prices. So do you think it's the grain prices that are affecting why there is such or there was such a weakness with those hogs prices, or what was the cause of that and now why it's increasing? Well, we basically just had a lot of hogs come through this system and that in, in a short window there, and that just kind of weighed on prices in general. And then we just saw a technical sell-off where the market was out, got itself a little bit on the long side, kind of didn't care about the fundamentals, saw a bit of a seasonal breakdown. And the next thing you know, we saw the you know retail prices vet fall, cash prices fell, money moved to the sidelines very, very quickly. And that's one of the things that concerns me in all these markets, at least for ag producers, is the volatility that's there. When the money might, makes a change, it wants to go a different direction. Sometimes the fundamentals get moved to the sidelines and the money just takes control. Grain markets are still variable as well with some tight supply. How is demand affecting prices as harvest gets closer? You know, that's some of the things we're really watching. You know, we've had a nice lift in prices after that USDA report for beans prior to that report for corn. You know, had most of those numbers priced in with the tighter supply picture. The bean yield number was a bit of a surprise last week. But now we're waiting to see some demand step back in. You know, we're a little bit expensive compared to the rest of the world on corn, and we're behind on those corn sales. So we need to see that demand probably kick in for the next leg. We had a soybean sale yesterday, so that was encouraging to see that even at these price levels, China wants to step into the market and pick up some beans. But you know, at least right now, with harvest just starting to pick up right around the corner here, we need to make sure we see some demand to help get this market to move, or we're going to be just kind of missing some news, and then we're going to have a market that just wants to chop and move sideways. I was looking through some papers earlier and saw that there's some Ukrainian farmers that have sheds still full of 2021's harvest, and they're looking for that for those foreign buyers to help sell their grain since they have a slump in grain prices there. How is that affecting us here at all, or is it? Well, the the Ukraine trade deal or getting that bushels out of the Ukraine has put pressure on prices, especially in the corn and wheat markets. They're not a factor in the soybean market overall. There, it's obviously South American competition. But just again, there's another source of supply that's out there. Now, they're not be able to flow it out as like they like to, according, obviously, because of the logistics situations due to the war. But it's still another avenue that's out there that has just kind of kept maybe a little bit more of a lid on top of any corn price rally, especially also those South American corn bushels are still lot cheaper than ours at this time frame you know so again global competition is still a key on the export front and again prices can have a little bit of a limit to it as long as you know we're the most expensive grain in town and we're not seeing that demand that we need once again that is john heinberg he's the market advisor with total farm marketing out of west bend and if you want to get a hold of him you can call him at 800-334-9779 and they can email you correct yeah shoot me an email at john h at totalfarmmarketing.com and again our website total farm marketing.com that was john heimberg this is the midwest farm report with pam youngkey